Hey there, and welcome to Intrigue Out Loud. This is the last episode of our first season of Deep Dives, and I wanted to finish sort of where we started 60 episodes ago by examining the battle between autocracies and democracies for global influence. It's a battle that's largely played out through backroom influence campaigns and press releases. At times, it seems sort of more rhetorical than anything tangible or easily mapped onto real-world events. But occasionally, this, this battle seems to come alive and spills onto battlefields or into city streets. And that's exactly what's happening in Georgia, a country of 3.7 million people nestled between Russia, Turkey, and the Black Sea, where protesters battled police for several days this spring over a bill that would have, in their minds, chipped away at Georgia's hard-won democracy. It's a democracy that survived corrupt oligarchs, electoral fraud, and Russian invasion. But with a ruling party seemingly unable, or perhaps unwilling, to fulfill the explicit demand of the Georgian people to join the European Union, the question is, will it survive much longer? Here to answer that question is Tiona Akubardia. She is a member of Georgian Parliament from the Reforms Group political faction, the Deputy Chairperson of Parliament's Defense and Security Committee, and a former Deputy Secretary of Georgia's National Security Council. And, best of all, she joins me next. Hi, Tayana. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. I'm really delighted to be with you today. So I, I want to just I want to just jump right into this conversation, uh, not waste any time. You're you're in Sweden right now, and I know you're on a uh, on a on a mission to to meet some uh, members of the defense community there. So let's just get right into it. Why do you think Georgia should join the European Union? Well, firstly, it's a, it's a civilization choice of Georgia, and it's not a new choice, it's through many centuries. Because of the shared values, we believe that uh, Georgia is part of the European family and we want to progress towards the EU membership, which we applied actually just last year. And also because our sovereign choice, uh, we want to become as well uh, NATO member state. And that's a uh, foreign policy choice of the people due to the values uh, and uh, due to the due to the idea that uh, European family it is the most peaceful organization and we want peace, we want prosperity, we want stability uh, based on the shared values. So that's the so whole small uh, whole idea in in short why we want to be EU member state. And do you do you feel like Georgia is ready? For EU membership, I mean, I mean, it's been locked in a session talks with the EU for nearly a decade now. Uh, was essentially told to put on put its application on hold last year, like you mentioned. While Moldova and Ukraine received the green light to move forward, what does the EU want to see from Georgia that it hasn't seen yet? Well, uh, it's a good question. Uh, firstly, um, th- there was uh, Eastern Partnership initiative uh, after the war in 2008 and it was the war was also a trigger uh, of this mm. uh, platform and uh, we had the association agreement free trade uh, the CFTA we had visa free regime as well Ukraine Moldova Georgia and we in 2018 uh, we established associated trio although we didn't have uh, the European perspective so this uh, Russia's uh, opens uh, aggression 
uh, against Ukraine, which is not new for us because 2008 we were targeted right. by Russia, always the same um, reason. Uh, it, it became a biggest uh, opportunity for Georgia uh, to fulfill our um, civilization choice, uh, which is supported by 90% of the population and to become EU member. And we need the candidacy status as a step forward that. And uh, Georgia uh, was given the European perspective uh, so it was recognized as, as an European state, uh, and 12 re recommendations were, were given to Georgia to perform, and it is uh, mostly about democratic reforms in order to get the candidate. What, what are some of those reforms? Well, uh, firstly, firstly, it is the um, uh, rule of law. Uh, secondly, it is... Um, for instance, uh, freedom of media, it is engagement of the civil society uh, into the process. It is about the de-oligarchization, and we do have this oligarchy, Vanishvili, which is a shade of ruler of the country. Uh, Depolarization, uh, because uh, it is very polarized on the political level. Uh, it is about the... Uh, anti-corruption, uh, it is about the gender equality, it is about uh, electing of the public defender, we, which we did, but out of 12 recommendations, uh, only three was uh, fully fulfilled according to the informal uh, discussion. So, Seven was partly fulfilled. One, the oligarchization part was limited um, fulfillment, and one, media freedom, was not fulfilled at all. Mm. Uh, yeah. So, with this situation, uh, it is a threat that uh, Russia's influence will be growing uh, because uh, there is no interest of Russia that um, in its near uh, near uh, neighborhood, especially in Georgia, there is democracy flourishing and uh, it is moving towards your NATO. And while in 2008, uh, the war uh, which Russia uh, started against Georgia, people would believe that it was to stop Georgia's NATO accession process uh, in 2014 in Crimea. Uh, we saw it was about the EU. So firstly, it's about Russia and it's about uh, democracy, uh, which is, became backsliding. Yeah. Uh, for several years. Well, and, right. uh, it is also an issue of the geopolitics, not only democratic transformation, uh, yeah. that how, how it looks. Well, so, so you mentioned uh, Bidzina Ivanashvili, the, the founder of, of Georgian Dream. We'll come back to him very shortly. Uh, and you, you used the word backsliding. So just, just briefly, I mean, you, you listed these 12 membership criteria that the EU delineated in June last year. Is Georgia moving further away from meeting those criteria or, or getting closer? It, it sounds like you would say further away. Well, you know, uh, despite the fact that I'm criticizing the government because of uh, no political will, to join uh, the EU and to perform uh, those 12 recommendations because it's all about will. It's nothing about uh, difficulties of the legislation. I still uh, in favor of granting Georgia a candidate status mm. uh, because firstly, it is a choice of the people. It is a civilization choice. And secondly, it is a way uh, to contain Russia's influences. And it is also a way uh, to have uh, leverage uh, to perform democratically as a country. Yeah. Uh, over the ruling party, and we have election uh, on parliamentary election only in 2024. So it, it is a, a problem because we know that in October there will be um, Euro Commission will evaluate the uh, progress, uh, and in December a political decision will be made by you. 
about Georgia, Ukraine, Moldova. Uh, and when we see that association trio, um, it's not um, it's not the same because Ukraine and Moldova they are a step ahead and Georgia is a step back. Uh, in December, if Georgia is refused to get the status, then uh, the two countries will have accession talks uh, started. And Georgia is uh, it's not only two steps behind, but it will be used by Russia to maintain the control over Georgia, mm. uh, despite the fact that uh, Russia is losing in Ukraine. And Georgia, uh, it was a primary interest of Russia through many um, centuries. And yeah. it is also a gateway for the region. And uh, that's what uh, Russia is trying to now, because Russia for sure is losing in Ukraine, but Russia wants to maintain the power uh, and the influence over the uh, region and um, especially Georgia, which is considered to be the US uh, and the West's uh, ally in the region. That's a, it's a fascinating argument, the idea that if you grant Georgia the status of an EU candidate, it will start behaving like an EU candidate. But, but Teona, there was an inflection point in Georgia's quest for, for membership earlier this year during protests over uh, what's what's been dubbed the Foreign Influence Agent Bill. I mean, what, what was we this bill? We call it what, the Russian law. Yeah. Well, it, it, was, it was inspired in, in a lot of ways by Russian law. So, so what did this bill say? The reason why we call it a Russian law, it was because uh, what Russia did, uh, and it started um, it started uh, with a restriction uh, with establishing uh, uh, civil society organizations as uh, uh, agents, uh, foreign agents, and you know in Soviet Union, um, agent uh, means spy. Uh, so with this term, uh, all the uh, organizations which are funded from the Western uh, donor organizations will be agents. So agent for foreign influence means spy of the uh, West. Uh, and uh, by that labeling, uh, uh, there was also additional instrument how to um, stop uh, those organizations to work effectively, whether it was in media, whether it was uh, in human rights, whether it was uh, even in conflict uh, resolution. Uh, and I was uh, also uh, providing the uh, example that while occupied Abkhazia, um, Abkhazia is occupied by Russia, uh, and uh, they, they are resisting to adopt this similar law which exists in Russia, for two years, so what is the message from the capital of Georgia that says they are under Russian influence even more than occupied Abkhazia? Uh, and um, because people understood what was going on and that it was pushing Georgia towards Russia more and it was uh, making um, distance with uh, the West, uh, and actually West will become a, 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 an enemy because of uh, calling uh, civil society organizations spies, agents of the West, then um, it will be a shift from the established foreign policy priority uh, and a shift to, to, towards what kind of uh, fights we went through through the uh, regaining uh, independence. So people understood it very well. To be honest, I was in the plenary session arguing this law, and uh, I was not expecting so many people protesting mm. uh, in the street. Because of this unity of 
people, politicians, media organizations, we managed uh, to win this. So, I mean, this this bill doesn't sound entirely unreasonable. I mean, the U.S. has a bill called the Foreign Agents Registration Act, which requires foreign lobbyists to register as such. So why why so much outcry? What what did Georgians see beneath the surface? Well, there was uh, two draft uh, laws register. Uh, the one was a uh, Hungarian Russian model, and another uh, law, law was a um, uh, copy of uh, U.S. model. Uh, therefore, there was a huge difference. Firstly, um, it was a different context. Uh, U.S. adopted that law in 1978 when there was this uh, a Nazi regime, and it was in order to defend uh, the state. Uh, secondly. Um, it was also about the lobbyist organizations, and we ha have a uh, law on uh, lobbyism, uh, which was not part of that law. And thirdly, I mean, there is a, a small addition to that law where uh, certain partner countries are excluded from that, firstly. And the uh, U.S. is a um, uh, democracy. Georgia is not a democratic country. It is uh, yeah. in the hybrid. Um, uh, it's a hybrid regime, according to the uh, indexes, democracy indexes you see. So it was not about the lobbyism. It was not about the transparency of the uh, civil society organizations. It was about uh, certain restrictions. Uh, and while, for instance, media organizations are helping people and they would be labeled as uh, foreign agents, there would, they would, there would be no trust from the people. You were very ready to answer that question because it's a, it's a line that's been parroted by the by the ruling party so many times that what they're doing is is no different than what democracies do. Definitely, it was a manipulation. So, why do you think that the ruling coalition, led by uh, Georgian Dream, why did they propose this legislation, knowing that it contradicted the EU's membership criteria? I mean, is, is it about ideology? Is it about Money is Georgian Dreams founder Bidzina Ivanashvili, who we mentioned a second ago. Is he on the Kremlin's payroll, as so many opposition leaders speculate? Well, uh, firstly, I will tell you what was official argument from uh, ruling party why they were initiating it. Firstly, they were saying it is about the transparency. And uh, um, despite these statements, open statements, uh, not only from EU or from US or from NATO, but also uh, partner countries, uh, they uh, they were not uh, stepping back this process. And uh, I know that there was also a warning from uh, uh, EU side uh, to the ruling party and some certain uh, parliamentarians that even the discussion of that law would harm Georgia's EU accession process. And even on that expense, they did it because it was all about power, how to maintain power. And they see that civil uh, society organizations uh, who are actively criticizing the government, uh, who are uh, working to defend democracy in the country, and, and who have the who have the support of, as you said, ninety percent of the Georgian population, right? It, yeah, and ninety percent supports uh, the EU membership. So the government went against the will of the people, including their voters. They went against their uh, own uh, promise uh, because in twenty twenty elections, uh, their election program promised people that. That they would apply for EU membership, and um, all, all of a sudden uh, the, they initiated that law in order to maintain the power. And another uh, issue is uh, the war in Ukraine. 
Uh, and uh, since uh, Russia's full-scale aggression, and the war hasn't started uh, on 24th of February, it was since 2014 in Ukraine, um, uh, government changed its um, narrative towards the West. And uh, with the first stage, uh, we had the international support towards Ukraine, with supporting the resolution, uh, co-sponsoring the resolution, etc. But with the statement, it became uh, anti-Ukrainian. Uh, and uh, then it was evaluated uh, like uh, Ukraine wants to open a second front in Georgia, which was again against Ukraine. Uh, and uh, later we had the attack on U.S. ambassador, despite the statement of State Department that it is attack on U.S., not just the ambassador. And now there is this narrative, uh, global war party, where the West, opposition, civil society organizations, we all together, we want to drag Georgia into war. And nobody mentions Russia, which has occupied Georgia, uh, which has uh, continuous attempts of the occupation and stepped over the annexation, illegally detention of the people, torture of our citizens, and all these hybrid tactics, uh, which mm. we witness in Georgia, whether it is information, whether it is political, whether it is economy, or even military. We have illegal military um, uh, troops uh, yeah. on our soil. Uh, Tayona, can you, can you tell us about Corvaletti? Well, this is a uh, vivid uh, example to me uh, of the contemporary Berlin Wall. Because when you go to Corvaletti, and I go there often, and I'm uh, also taking uh, um, friends and partners uh, to there to see these barbed wires, which is dividing people's life, which is dividing um, country, uh, and um, uh, it's a it's an interesting story. Uh, Older couple were living in Hurvaleti, and uh, one day they woke up and they discovered themselves on the occupied territory, despite the fact that it was not occupied before. So Russians who built these barbed wires, um, they divided uh, the land, so the house, and uh, the part of the land uh, appeared to the occupation uh, side. Uh, so the resistance of this family uh, became a vivid example of how occupation it became a process, not the uh, end state and this uh, world of borderization to create borders, uh, which is a process. It is becoming also instrument of uh, Russian hybrid uh, tactics to create a fear, firstly, mm. among population, whether it is on the occupation part or uh, or the Georgian control part. It is uh, also to create the image of uh, the West, which is unable to help Georgia with this occupation. And it is uh, a weapon uh, also against the government to demonstrate that uh, there is no option to solve this uh, conflict without Russia's will. So mm. it is a constant process and it also coincides with the annexation process, which is uh, since 2015 it has been started. Uh, so it is a, a disaster uh, in terms of the humanitarian aspect and uh, we have a lot of uh, 
illegal detained people, especially uh, since uh, the full-scale aggression of Russia in Ukraine, the number of the illegal detained people has been increased. So they are basically coming to the Georgian controlled territory. When people live there, they do some farming uh, and they have cows. They are illegally detaining them, throwing them uh, over the barbed wire, and then they um, ask for the money that they pay uh, and leave, or even more since uh, like three years uh, already before, uh, they're putting them in jail and uh, for 10 years, for instance. And uh, it is very difficult humanitarian uh, condition because of that. Uh, so this is the current Berlin Wall. Yeah. And uh, the West should be aware that uh, all these kind of Berlin Wall should be destroyed. Uh, and uh, in Ukraine, in Georgia, in Moldova, all these conflicts, which were in early 90s, uh, it was initiated, it was supported by Russia in this uh, so-called post-Soviet countries. And it is the legacy of uh, Soviet uh, regime. Uh, yeah. And it is the interest of Russia to create the conflict zones and to freeze it. Uh, and there is no frozen conflict anymore after 2008 Russia-Georgia uh, war, because we saw how Russia can um, use the frozen conflict again to create uh, a war and then to recognize uh, the independence of those uh, breakaway regions and to use it as a leverage, not to let us uh, to fulfill our sovereign foreign policy choice or domestic cho political choice, which is democracy, which is NATO and EU membership. So they don't want successful country nearby uh, on the neighborhood because they want to establish this uh, spheres of influence and to mm erase the principle of sovereignty. That's what we witness in Ukraine now, but it is also happening in Georgia. Uh, and it is a hybrid, not uh, open military escalation. That's why it's not that visible, but resistance, uh, resilience, and uh, support from the West, it is needed in order not to uh, give permission to Russia uh, to violate the rules-based international order, principle of sovereignty, and act like 19th century actor. Just just to give some additional context, I mean, and thank you for correcting my pronunciation, Horvaletti is is this town stuck between... It is a village. Uh, it a is village. surrounded by uh, Russian occupation forces. And how, how did they come to acquire, how did they come to acquire the land uh, adjacent to, to Horvaletti? They come uh, and constantly grab the land. Yeah. They build the barbed wires, uh, and it's not happening in one night. You know, it started in 2012, actually, since uh, ruling party uh, GD uh, came into power, despite this uh, so-called established pragmatic politics towards Russia. It's, it's not working. Uh, and um, they build the barbed wires, uh, and they put some um, signs that this is uh, the uh, territory of right. uh, controlled by, uh, whether it is uh, so-called South Society or uh, uh, Abkhazia. And uh, then uh, they create the humanitarian uh, disaster. Yeah. Uh, for instance, in uh, occupied Abkhazia, people have no right to learn Georgian language. Uh, the books are restricted uh, to, um, to send in Abkhazia. Schools, so there is no language, Georgian language they can learn there. Uh, they change the uh, names of the villages. Um, it's television, it's communication. Uh, so basically, this is a process of the annexation. And if you yeah. see the 2023 Russia's um, foreign policy strategy, now they plan to uh, 
to do the integration process of uh, these occupied territories of Georgia into Russia. And it is uh, the smooth annexation up to 2030. Uh, that's what they plan to. And, and the, the context being that Abkhazia and South Ossetia are, are Georgia's sovereign territory that Russia invaded uh, in 2008 is in, in the process of annexing, uh, expelled the, the ethnic Georgian population, right? Am I, am I doing this, this justice? Actually, uh, the conflict started in the early 90s. Right. Uh, and uh, it was very interesting. Uh, I mean, maybe not many knows about it. So while uh, Eduard Chevardnadze, who was uh, Georgia's uh, uh, leader, uh, when the war in Abkhazia was in early uh, 90s, uh, he himself uh, said that it's not Georgian-Abkhaz conflict and it's Georgia-Russia conflict because Russian um, regular troops were bombing uh, the capital of uh, Abkhazia, Sohumi. What we see so in Ukraine in 2014, it was a repetition uh, of what we saw in Abkhazia in early 90s. And there were two um, ceasefire treaties which Russia violated and then Russian troops to, uh, managed to uh, withdraw Georgians uh, from uh, Abkhazia, and we had ethno um, uh, cleansing, facts of genocide in there, and it, it was not just a ethno political conflict as it used to be uh, called. It was Georgia-Russia conflict, so it was mm. continued in 2008 with Putin. That's why when we talk about the Russia's revisionist power, I mean, it doesn't matter whether it is Tsarism, whether it is Eltsin, or whether it is Putin. I mean, the policy does not change. And it is this crazy imperialistic idea and to invade and to kill and how to maintain the influence and power and it should be ended. Otherwise, there will be no security, no stability in Euro-Atlantic space in European continent, unless Russia can do such kind of things and uh, is not punished for that. Today's show is sponsored by Flavier. Flavier helps you curate your home bar with the classic, the crafty, and the rare gem spirits that match your personal taste. You can sample and train your palate with themed tasting sets, which are guaranteed to help you find your new favorites. Flavier is the best way to experience the spirit of exploration. Check out the link in the show notes to learn more. You you said that that Russia, uh, I think you said create it creates a fear. What what happens to the political psychology of a country that has part of its territory? under occupation. I mean, in other words, how hard is it to have a democracy when you're living with the threat of invasion by a neighbor? Well, um, it depends on the leadership, to be honest. Uh, mm. Despite the uh, occupation, uh, I mean, all the protests, what ha whatever happens in Georgia, it is against Russia. Uh, despite the poverty, despite many other problems, people only go out of uh, the street against Russia's influences, mm. against uh, uh, Russia's um, policy, which is uh, to invade Georgia and to take us to the past where we don't want to uh, be. And, and it is also about resilience and resistance. Unfortunately, with the government we have since 2012, uh, it became a power. When uh, they say that uh, there is a global war party uh, which wants to drag Georgia into war, they work on psychological trauma of the uh, nation. Because we went through three wars with Russia, 
since uh, regaining the independence, and uh, we re remember those wars. So, of course, nobody wants a war again. And when government claims that uh, if opposition will come into power or if West and the opposition together will push us for democracy, there will be a war, it might be effective on the people's mind uh, and heart because of those traumas. And it is a huge uh, Kremlin toolkit disinformation campaign and anti-West campaign, which is also creating challenge, uh, despite the fact that it is not that successful so far because 90% of population supports you, 85% uh, supports uh, NATO, but the creative, uh, creation of the fear of the war it is something working on, uh, it's a psychological operation to me, to be honest. Uh, and uh, it is a challenge. So it is possible to transform country in a democratic way while we have uh, this uh, creeping occupation process. And the only way to uh, do the territorial integrity, to restore the territorial integrity of the country, it is even NATO for us. We we said, uh, even with the previous government, Mikhail Saakashvili, he said that only by peaceful means he sees the restoration of the country's territorial integrity. Uh, and this is the obligation which is continued not only by the ruling party, but also by all opposition parties. Um, and it has been said by all of us as well. Uh, and the idea how we see that when Russia is uh, leaving the uh, occupied regions with its illegal um, troops, uh, it is only uh, to provide them perspective that Georgia is on the way of EU and NATO, uh, and Georgia is uh, stable, secure, and prosperous. And then uh, people are living there free uh, from Russia's influences uh, will make a choice for better life. And this is a similar uh, toolkit of the disinformation and propaganda I see in Tbilisi and I see in Sahomi. And um, the only way to stop it, uh, it is uh, the, to have pro-Western democratic new um, government, I hope in 2024 elections. And it is uh, that Russia is weakened Ukraine wins, and it should spread also on uh, Georgia as well as Moldova because they have also a similar problem. And uh, also Azerbaijan and Armenian conflict will uh, be uh, finalized with a peace deal. And I know U.S. has a huge role in that, and I'm yeah, hoping this will be successful. So just to put a pin in this, you reject the, the idea that, that ruling party leaders ha have espoused that Georgia should aspire to European integration but only when there's a change in leadership in Moscow. I mean, you, you are saying that Georgia's fate should be delinked from Russia's, that Russia's move away from the West doesn't mean that Georgia has to follow. Am I, am I following your logic here? Well, let me be clear. Um, Georgia should uh, fight for its foreign policy priority I and mean, democratic reforms, which is necessary for the candidacy status. Uh, also, resilience and resistance, which is also a concept to counter uh, Russia's increased influences. And uh, it's not Russia who has to decide the future of uh, its neighbors, but it's it should be countries who decide right. that. Uh, therefore, now with this current government, it is getting more and more difficult because of not not the willingness to perform democratic reforms. 
Firstly, it is like before if before the war, we saw that there was this uh, dancing of tango with both West and Russia. Now it is more shifting uh, to Russia than uh, to West. And we see that uh, with this anti-West uh, narratives, um, it creates a uh, challenge to isolate Georgia from the West, which increases the threats uh, from Russia because there will be no security guarantee from Russia. Uh, for sure. They will uh, ask for more and more until we are all under Russia's control, whether it is occupied Abkhazia, Tsinvali, or uh, Tbilisi, as that's what Russia wants to. And uh, this government uh, is not working on the established national interests. They work uh, for maintaining the power and they are afraid of Russia. That's why they are more under Russia's influence uh, than any government we had before. Might the events uh, of last weekend, the coup, mutiny, whatever happened in Russia, uh, could that cause some folks in Georgian Dream to reconsider this you know, abiding faith in Russia as a stable, reliable, if at, of course, times menacing partner? Could that calculus start to shift? Well, that's another stupidity to me of the uh, government, uh, because uh, uh, despite the uh, signs of weakness of Putin and the, whatever uh, happened, uh, it was a sign of weakness of Putin. And whatever Lukashenko <laughs> saving uh, Putin's face, uh, whatever. But it was a, it was a uh, announcing of uh, end of Putin's regime or end of Putin. Mm. Uh, and... Oh, with this situation, whole one day, uh, responsible government actors just uh, they went into shade. They did no statement. We were asking to discuss it uh, on the National Security Council meeting uh, because it created a challenge for Georgia, whether it was the Russia's migrants, we, whom we have a lot already, yeah. whether it was a um, uh, possible uh, threat from Chechnya, which is very near uh, to Georgia. Uh, and next day, they started to blame opposition that uh, we supported Progozhin despite the fact that we supported both sides because it makes Russia weaker. So instead of proper discussion, instead of uh, uh, the image which uh, demonstrated the weakness of Putin's regime, they continued this propaganda. Hmm. And there was no any kind of lessons learned on the narrative level. And I doubt that uh, even uh, behind the narratives there is any lessons learned. And Prime Minister, for instance, he told me that Russia is the biggest nuclear state. And this perception of uh, Russia's strengths they create, to me it is funny, but it is at the same time dangerous. Uh, because um, this, despite the threat, and yes, we do have threat because Georgia is a small country, it's already occupied partly, uh, occupation line from the capital is 37 kilometers, uh, and it's very near to the main highway, etc., etc. Uh, we, we should uh, have uh, increased resilience, defense capability, uh, stronger um, communication and support from our Western allies, and also stronger um, support to Ukraine, because despite the fact that we have the strategic partnership, government uh, do not talk anymore to Ukrainian mm. government, and there is zero uh, cooperation, unfortunately. It has its 
also other reasons. But in this situation, while both of our countries are occupied uh, by Russian troops, and it's 20% for all both cases, and in case that when we want together to join EU and NATO, it should be a proper uh, communication, proper uh, cooperation. But um, we see totally different um, picture. Uh, well, some call uh, ruling party pro-Russians, uh, some call Russians, uh, but whatever you call it, it is helping uh, Russia to increase influences over Georgia and eating, uh, it is uh, isolating Georgia from the West. Well, last question. I, I asked you at the beginning, why you think Georgia should join the EU? Is it still possible? I, I do believe it is possible uh, because firstly, we have the European perspective. So it is a recognition of Georgia that it is a part of the uh, Europe and we need to perform the reforms. I know this will be a very painful process, but I still uh, believe that without joining NATO, it will be very difficult to join the EU because uh, we need the security guarantees. We need the security umbrella in Georgia for many years, participating in Kosovo, in Iraq, in Afghanistan, uh, military, uh, this peacekeeping uh, mission, Georgia was number two country after US or number one per capita participating in this international NATO peacekeeping operations, we can be also, um, we can contribute to this peace, not only um, uh, to to use all these uh, uh, goods uh, from NATO. And um, I think that if Georgia would have membership action plan in 2008, instead of this promise uh, that we would become one right day NATO country in line with, with Ukraine, Russia would not dare to invade Georgia in 2008, and Russia would not dare to do the Crimean annexation in 2014. And despite the difficulties now and the war in Ukraine, I do believe that when the war is over, uh, the, uh, the NATO allies uh, will uh, support Georgia's and Ukraine NATO membership, not because only that we will perform all the obligations, uh, but also to secure uh, European continent for possible next uh, Russia's aggressions, aggressions, which will not stop despite the uh, change of the leadership, because it's the nature of Russia. And we see it through the history, and especially we have felt it on our skin. Well, Tana, thank you so much for your time. I'll let you get back to your uh, time in Sweden. Go get some meatballs, go get some lingonberries, whatever it is. But thanks again for Unfortunately, coming Unfortunately, there is no time for that. But <laughs> thank you, thank you. I hope it was interesting. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning in. I joke on this show every so often, and it's not a comedic joke, but a despairing joke, a dejected and deeply distressed joke that everything going on in the world relates back to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. We know the first order consequences of the war, the unfathomable loss of life and livelihoods in Ukraine. We know the second order consequences, higher prices for fuel and shortages of food around the world. In Georgia's case though, and more than any single country in Russia's periphery, the war is so consequential because it will determine so much about the country's future. If Russia emerges the victor, if Ukraine's allies lose focus and the prevailing theory among Russian elites that might makes right proves true, Georgia will have no place in Europe. Its politics will become ever more polarized and its leaders will turn ever closer to Moscow. But if Ukraine emerges victorious, then Georgia's decades-old and constitutionally mandated goal 
of integration with Europe could become a reality. The stakes for Georgia are that high. As I said at the beginning, this is our last deep dive for the next few months. We'll continue doing our news recaps after a short break next week. But I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who's joined us for the first leg of this journey. I can't wait to see what next season brings. In the meantime, I'm Ethan Plotkin. See you soon.